Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Let me tell you about Justin Vanforth. He's been exploring paranormal phenomena, the UFO topic, reports of men in black, other areas of really high strangeness for close to two decades. He lectures on the subject, collaborates with researchers on cases, consults with folks worldwide to better understand whatever it is is happening. Justin is a very creative professional by trade. He works in advertising and marketing, an equally strange world on its own. And despite an active schedule, he finds time to write content for his website, normalparanormal.org. Justin, welcome to the show, and what a great job you did on the Spectrum. It's really cool. Oh, thanks, George. It's an honor to be on this show. I look forward to this. Tell me how an advertising executive got involved in the strange and paranormal. That's a great question. You know, it's a, well, like you said earlier, it's a strange world working in advertising and marketing. Oh, yeah. You run into into a lot of strange people. But I have to say, when I put it into, um, when I compare that um, to the paranormal, the paranormal actually seems a heck of a lot more normal. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it does. When did you start the website, normalparanormal.org? Oh, goodness. I, I started that, uh, oh, let's see here, maybe, I want to say 2008, 2009, perhaps. Okay. Um, originally, it started off as just like a little forum um, that I invited people to on social media, and just, you know, as a way to kind of like, um, you know, share theories and uh, stories and all that sort of stuff. And then I started finding out that a lot of people were, explain, or were experiencing these sort of... Uh, phenomena and um there was a lot of uh similarities between all of it oh my gosh wait till you start getting calls next hour you'll find out i mean they're everywhere they they really are before do it in 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 terms of your particular interest did was there an episode or was there something paranormal that happened to you that got you into this well i i always tell people that you know we don't go out seeking this sort of weird stuff um it sort of seeks us out um, I still haven't found out why that happens, but it's like certain people are kind of like, I guess, you know, uh, predetermined to, to experience this. Um, for me, you know, I used to also explain to people that I grew up in a haunted house. That's one of the earliest memories of the supernatural taking place in my own life. But yet when I look back on it as an adult, I think I need to start referring to it as more of like a haunted experience than just a haunted house. Since, right. you know, a haunted house is often tied to a physical location. But there can also be haunted people. Um, there could also be situations that, you know, cause this activity just to kind of manifest more so than other other places. Well, that's so true. It really is. And uh, yeah, God, I don't and I like think... haunted houses. I don't like them at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people think it's cool to live in a haunted house. But yet when you hear some of this testimony from people who have enduring it, you know, or who are enduring it like day in and day out. Like it's, it's very trying on them, you know, and it's very, it it wears them down after a while. And when I was a kid, um, my parents were going through a divorce and I think it was that negative energy that just fed into whatever may have already existed in the house. Um, and it just kind of like escalated from there. Now I have, sort of like a fragmented memory of it. Um, so I can't really tell you exactly what happened. So instead, what, I, what I've done now is I've interviewed my parents, and it's interesting to kind of hear their take on it. 
and some of their experiences line up with what I remember. Um, same thing with my brother. We're going to talk about some various cases that you've illustrated in the spectrum, but uh, is this your first book? It is, yeah. Well, that's pretty good. You hit a home run on your first try. Oh, great. Thank you so much. And it's it's out now? People can get it? Yeah, it's out now on uh, on Amazon, and there's a tiny little bookstore in New Jersey uh, called <laughs> Angel's Wings that also carries it. The the subtitle is, is very important. It, glimpses of the Paranormal and Encounters with the Strange. There are so many strange stories out there, Justin, aren't there? Yeah. Yeah, there are. And and the the interesting thing about that subtitle is I think we're just getting glimpses of it. We're not really getting the full picture. No, we, we aren't. You've looked at a couple individuals and their cases... How did you come across them? And then let's start with the first one that you mentioned, Shane Sovar. Um, mm-hmm. He was a hotel worker uh, back around uh, 10, 11 years ago uh, in probably Toronto on the Canadian side of Niagara Falls, right? Yeah, he was, um, he was in Ontario um, working at a hotel there um, right on in Niagara Falls. And uh, it's funny because I heard, first heard about his case when I saw the video that was posted to Coast to Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, I was like, wow, is this for real? Like, you never hear of the men in black really caught on, on camera, especially video camera. Um, you know, there's a couple of photos that are out there. That's about it. So what I did was I contacted the original um, investigator of that particular case, uh, her name is Marsha Barnhart, and she works for um, API, Aerial Phenomena Investigations. And she, origin- she originally handled all the key witnesses to that particular MIB event. But what I found was interesting, um, after I connected with her and she gave me all the info that she had, um, eventually I was able to contact Shane himself. And I found out that there was a lot more to his story that Marsha didn't really dive into. And that MIB incident was actually at the very end of his uh, paranormal experience. Interesting. Now, there's, these were two men in black that came into the hotel, I believe? Yeah, they came in looking for him, and it was actually on a day that he took off from work. So he wasn't even there. So, that, so they, 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 quizzed, they quizzed people, right? Yeah, they did. They, uh, they intimidated, well, I wouldn't say intimidated, but they just gave this really ominous creepy feeling to those existing um, employees. And um, the interesting thing about those employees is they weren't even into these, this UFO subject. They had no knowledge of, of Men in Black, any of that sort of stuff. They weren't seeking it out, and yet here they are, all telling Shane when he came back into work the next day about their encounter. So that's when the security guard actually showed uh, Shane that he had these guys on camera. Oh, and they're creepy-looking yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, they are. They almost look robotic, don't they, Justin? Yeah, and um, according to the testimony, they looked identical to one another. Um, they also didn't have any, um, any hair, um, no eyebrows, no eyelashes. They didn't even blink. Weird. Um, yeah, very strange. And in one of, the, um, one of the people who had encountered them, she said that it was almost like they were reading her thoughts. Um, and it really disturbed her. 
Um, the other thing about that, too, is you see them come into the hotel lobby, but you never see them leave. And <laughs> when I was talking with Shane about that, he um, he had some parking attendants out there, too. And they um, they saw these guys come in on a on a vehicle that they didn't even recognize. And it was off in the far end of the parking lot. Now, these are parking attendants. They see cars come in and out all the time, and yet they couldn't recognize this particular make and model. Um, the only thing that stood out to them was it was all black. And why they parked on the far end of the parking lot, I don't know. <laughs> and they didn't even see them come in either. Were these uh, MIBs, were they threatening at all to anybody? No, they didn't threaten anybody. Um, they just wanted to know where Shane was, and it seems like they didn't, they didn't accept the fact that the employees were telling them, these two guys that he wasn't there. They just couldn't, they couldn't wrap their heads around it. Um, and then um, on the last witness, um, they started talking about all sorts of nonsensical stuff, like conspiracies and all sorts of strange stuff. It, it sounds like an X-File. It's like, really, is this true? Um, but yet these people swear by it. Gary uh, Sudbrink uh, was a former Air Force captain, and uh, he was yes. uh, working out of San Antonio, Texas. Tell us about his case. So his case is one of my favorite, um, because here you have a guy who um, he decides to make a surprise trip to visit his friends and family up in Long Island, New York. Now, this is around, this is in 1993. It's about February. He doesn't tell anybody. He doesn't even tell his superiors. Um, then he decides to get on an airplane. And when he's waiting for the airplane, he has a strange encounter with two different men um, who both were obsessed with finding out his name, and they were persistent about it. But what prompted that question, Gary can't remember, which I also find very interesting because he is almost like a photographic memory. He can recall intricate details of everything, even where he was uh, seated on the airplane. And yet he can't remember what they were talking about other than they just wanted to know his name. Well, whatever. Fast forward, he gets into Long Island. Um, him, he's at his parents' house, and he decides to make a call to one of his uh, longtime friends, Mike. When he's on the phone with Mike, Mike then says, uh, Gary, you already called me back. You already called me up. Yeah, uh, but basically, before. why are you calling me again, right? Exactly, yeah. And Mike also says, hey, you flew in through... Um, the other airport in New York, which was not the one Gary came in on. And then he also says that Gary had a, um, had like a stuffy nose. It sounded like he was coming down with a cold. So that's why Mike didn't want to hang out with him. So Gary's confused at this moment. He's like, what are you talking about, Mike? I did not call you. <laughs> As he's on the phone, another call comes in, and that's where the weirdness begins. There are, there's this strange, uh, deep mechanical voice that comes on the line, and it just starts asking him these seemingly random questions. Things like, um, is Gary Sudbrink there? Uh, how long are you going to be back from Texas? Which doesn't even make sense grammatically. Um, and then it said other weird things like, keep your eye on the skies near Orion. And then this voice is now warning Gary, beware of um, an impersonator. There's a, there's a voice impersonating you. Wow. <laughs> yeah, very strange stuff. Now, these calls, in anticipation of tonight's show, 
I actually put them on my website, so your audience can go there. I was noticing them. They're, in, uh, they're, yeah. they're just weird cases, aren't they? <laughs> they are. And what's really strange about this whole like um, impersonation type thing is years prior to these phone calls, well, first off, I should say, when Gary is getting these calls, he's thinking it's his brother, Stephen, um, because of an incident that happened with Stephen. He thought it was, it was him just pranking him. So you actually hear him addressing Stephen by name on the calls. What happened was a few years prior, uh, Stephen was en route to a wedding, also in Long Island, when he saw Gary drive up alongside him, make weird faces to get his attention, and drive off. Now, Gary was in Long Island at that time but had neither a car to drive, let alone Jeez. the car he was spotted in. What's he got, like a doppelganger out there? <laughs> That's what it was. And the weird thing is, it was the exact same make and model of the very one that was parked at Gary's residence in San Antonio at the time. How do you explain that? You can't. Yeah, <laughs> It's weird. you got to just shake your head. We're with yeah. Justin Bamforth. His book is called The Spectrum. His website, linked up at coasttocoastam.com, is Normal Paranormal. That's the name of it, normalparanormal.org. And uh, who do you think the men in black might be, Justin? Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, there are various theories, and all of them carry a little bit of weight. You know, some people think that they were, you know, the easy answer, I should say, is, uh, they're government agents, right? Right. Kind of like silence you. Scare you off or something. Right. But I don't know of any government agents that can just seemingly appear out of thin air and disappear. Um, agents who can, you know, read minds, who don't even appear human. Um, these beings, and they're not always men in black, per se, but they're always appearing slightly off. It's almost like they're trying to be human, but there's just something slightly off or skew about them. And in a lot of these cases, it's um, encounters with them are, you wouldn't think that they were a Men in Black encounter until afterwards, when you actually like match up some of the similarities. It's like, whoa, you had a Men in Black encounter. So, I mean, there's no question, Justin, that these visitations of these Men in Black are happening. People are seeing these people, right? Yeah, there's just there's too many encounters going on. Um, and like I said, they don't always appear in the stereotypical black suits, black fedoras. Um, in the case of the Shane Sofar case, they did. Um, but a lot of these cases are even still going on today. And are some of them, though, a little more threatening than they were in the Shane uh, Sofar case? Oh, yeah, there are um, there are definitely some some strange encounters. Um when you look back through UFO lore, there's um, originally there was a, there were reports of people being threatened by these these guys. Uh, you know, if you want to call them guys, um, but it doesn't. The cases that I've been looking at, I haven't run into any um, threatening ones so much as just downright disturbing ones. Um, things that just don't even make any sense. At first, I thought maybe that's why they're there, right? To threaten people, to scare right, them exactly. off from talking about this. But now I'm beginning to think maybe there's another agenda. Maybe it's more of like a, I don't know, like an information gathering or a, let's see how people react to this. Or a, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I wish I had answers, but I just have more questions. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.